0: 835 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. Let's get started. We start the program off today like we do every day. Three big things. Things I think you need to know about to discuss at the water cooler at the gym or at lunch or over the breakfast table. Big thing number one. Does President Trump continue to be his own worst enemy? Um, There are various... I mean, of course, there was a firestorm last week with his decision to fire FBI Director James Comey. Many of the reports suggest that President Trump was completely dumbfounded at the negative response that he got. The reports that suggest that some of his aides said, hey, you fire Comey and and everybody is going to applaud this. Now, if anybody said that, they are either smoking something or they are completely clueless because the truth of the matter is there is nothing that President Trump can do which will cause anybody who is left of center to to support him. And, And you saw that. I mean, you had Democrats who... Two weeks ago, were arguing, James Comey is terrible. He's the one that cost Hillary Clinton the election. Okay, now, maybe Donald Trump thought that, hey, if I fire him, these people will be applauding me. But no, because on the left, at least, their hatred for Trump overwhelms any sort of desire for consistency. So Trump was apparently surprised at, at this backlash. Now, I said last week, and I maintain this, I don't believe that there was any political motivation that is any effort to try to you know stop an investigation into alleged russian um, meddling in the u.s elections i don't think that's what it was what i think happened is donald trump is a guy who demands 100 percent loyalty he is used to being able to get away with that when it comes to business right when, when you are when you're the king when you're running your own real estate empire or or whatever you know, you're the one that gets to say to employees, all right, here, this is what you have to do, and you got to toe the line, and even if you think I'm wrong, you've got to go out, and you've got to be the one that backs me up and all that type of stuff. And if somebody doesn't, well, I mean, then you get the chance to say, hey, you're, you're fired. Government does not work that way. It just doesn't because public officials take this oath of office to support the Constitution. So I think what was happening is, you know, Donald Trump got increasingly frustrated with James Comey because Comey wouldn't back him up on these allegations that Obama wiretapped the Trump campaign, those sort of things. And I think Trump got just more and more frustrated with Comey and got angrier and angrier, and then finally, in an ultimate fit of rage, ended up firing. That's what I think happened, because if there was an effort to... For example, forestall an investigation into Trump's activities or alleged activities or was there any collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. This was the absolute stupidest way to go about trying to stall that because the investigation continues and now it is front and center. And as I also said last week, that's the thing that I find to be the most frustrating about all this because, candidly, If somewhere along the line, an investigation is able to prove that there was collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government to influence our election, I can see that that is a big deal. I personally don't think that there's going to be any sort of evidence that way. But okay, let the investigation continue, and and we'll see where it goes. But in the meantime, there are pressing issues facing this country. Obamacare is going to collapse. You need to replace it with a workable sort of health care system for the people who do not get their health insurance through the government or do not get health insurance through their employers. That's got to be a priority. The tax system ends up being a mess. That has to be a priority. And there's a variety of other things, too. And we're not talking about any of that stuff. That is what is frustrating to me. Now we're going to spend the next couple weeks, again... Uh, chasing unicorns, trying to find out if there's some sort of link between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Do I believe that the Russian government was trying to meddle in American politics? Absolutely. Is that a big deal? Absolutely. Do I think you're going to find any evidence that involved collusion with the Trump campaign? I would be surprised, but fine, let's go ahead and have that investigation. So that's the, the backdrop of this. Donald Trump is clearly I don't know if you'd say worried, but he he's currently trying to send a message to former FBI director James Comey. Don't you come out now that you're gone and and publicly criticize me? So at the end of last week, he sends out a tr- a tweet, and apparently there had been meetings with Comey, including a dinner with Comey. He sends out a, a tweet, and, and once again, I feel sorry for his aides because if I were any of them, you know, condition number one of working for President Trump would be. I want to take away your phone (laughs) or I at least want to disable the ability to tweet if you could possibly do that so he sends out a tweet that says James Comey better hope that there are no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press all right of course everybody you know who is of a certain age will remember the Watergate situation Um, what ultimately brought down President Nixon the, the evidence that was used to bring down President Nixon was was tapes Richard Nixon had for what passed for I you know I mean I think still people look back at that and kind of shake their head President Nixon had installed uh, Kennedy had one to an extent Johnson uh, recorded phone calls Nixon bugged himself Nixon had recordings recorders set up all over the the oval office and other places as well that recorded conversations and the participants didn't know it and you know Richard Nixon essentially recorded himself Engaging in conduct that led to the obstruction of justice, if and I continue to believe this, if it had not been for the tapes, there would not have been, I think, sufficient evidence to lead to the inevitable threat of impeachment, which ultimately led to him resigning. It, he, he bugged himself; it just, it just absolutely bizarre. So, Donald Trump sends out this tweet once again, suggesting that. Comey better hope there are no tapes of our conversations before leaking to the press, which again then causes everybody, both Republicans and the Democrats, to say, why would you say something like this if there weren't tapes? I mean, why would you even bring up tapes? And then, of course, yesterday on the talking head shows, this is one of the huge topics. We're not talking about healthcare. We're not talking about, um, uh, again, tax reform. We're talking about whether or not Donald Trump had installed a taping system. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I could be proven wrong. I do not believe that Trump is dumb enough to repeat the mistakes of Richard Nixon and be surreptitiously taping conversations that he is having at dinners or at the Oval Office or whatever. I, I don't believe that. But that said, to send out a tweet implying in any way, shape, or form that there may be tapes is just, again, bizarre to me. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talking Text Line. I, I don't believe there are tapes. But once again, the reference to tapes and why you would make a reference to tapes is just—it's uh, it, just another one of these distractions that, candidly, I think this White House has to stop doing. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty—that's the AccuNet Mortgage Talking Text Line. I don't think there are tapes, but I think this is bizarre. What do you think about this tweet? How big a deal would it be if Donald Trump really were surreptitiously taping people that he has conversations with? Do you think this is happening? We discuss next. If you're on the line, hold on. 843 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's eight forty-seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Some political observers now claim that more than, more so than celebrate successes of President Trump, many Republicans would rather celebrate the Democrats' reaction to every Trump move. Do you agree with this? and Bill Stat debate at two oh seven today. We're talking about the tweet late last week, suggesting that there there may have been tape recordings made surreptitiously by President Trump of his conversations with FBI Director uh, Comey former FBI director, Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're first. Good morning.
1: Hey, Jeff. Um, I I don't think there's tapes, but I I, I think that these tweets are just so bizarre and they're getting worse that somebody's got to either take it away from him (laughs) or it's really damaging his presidency. I I voted for the guy, but the more he tweets stupid things, I'm thinking he might
0: not be all there. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess. all, All right. So you 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 would agree with me that you don't think he you don't think he surreptitiously taping things a la Nixon?
1: No, I, I don't think okay. he did that. Then why say it? <laughs> you know, well, why I, say? I, it? But I think I I think it's his attempt to intimidate Comey to think maybe he did have something or maybe Comey said something to him that um, hmm. that was on tape that he wants to try to keep Comey from going to the press and talking and and you know saying the things that huh. uh, repeating their conversation. So he's he just trying to say okay well you don't know what i have so kind of playing a little bluff poker with the well, guy and saying you know it just it doesn't make any sense
0: well no because i mean that's, so the effect of that is if if we agree that there's probably not the effect of that is now you spend the the weekend um with, with everybody now talking about are you the second coming of of richard nixon which is I don't know. If if my poll numbers were in the 30s or something, I I don't know that that's necessarily the image that I'd want to be creating.
1: Well, I think this is part of the reason why they're talking about maybe having a shakeup in in his administration, because I I don't think there's enough people there telling him, hey, this is not a good idea. And he's doing things and then he's regretting it. And then he's thinking, why didn't somebody tell me not to do this? Or why didn't, you know, why didn't.
0: yeah or Or, or why aren't there people why aren't there people out there um yeah who are stopping me from from doing that i think that 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 could be there's real interesting piece today about how um uh, you know how even a lot of his hardcore supporters are starting to break bad on him and i'm 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 actually i've sort of gone the other way i mean i i i'm trying to separate style from substance but it's harder and harder to do that let's talk to dennis in milwaukee dennis good morning Good morning. What do you think?
1: I think he's actually playing fairly smart. Everybody's worrying about these tweets instead of worrying about what's happening in Congress with the Senate working on his health care bill that he wants to pass. He, everything's working about these tweets instead yeah. of... What's being happening? What
0: they're actually getting done? Well, I see. Except my problem is, Dennis. I don't know. I mean, thanks for, I, Here's my issue with this. I don't know if they're actually getting anything done. This was. The, now I understand that they had policy groups that were going on in the Senate last week, but this is the, this is the dominant driving thing now. You've got Republicans and you've got Democrats, and everybody is talking about this Russia investigation. And and, and again, as I've said before. I believe the Russians were trying to influence our election. I do not believe there's going to be credible evidence that it was part of some sort of conspiracy, but, but fine, investigate, do all that stuff. But now this is front and center, and, and nobody's talking about health care. Plus, the more you do this type of stuff, and the more you lose support of the American people... What happens is, and the tougher it becomes, to get your agenda across. There's a big story in today's Washington Post. And again, I I take stuff that the political analysis in the Washington Post you should take with a grain of salt. That's my advice. But what what happens is, they're they're saying more and more, particularly Republican senators who are up for re-election next year, they're not willing to walk the plank. I mean, they're looking at these poll numbers that are stuck in the mid to low 30s. They're looking at a lot of the stuff that is just so off-putting about what's been going on. And they're like saying, okay, you know, are we... It was sort of like what happened with Democrats when they followed Obama. Obama led them off the cliff. Now, you know, he, he jumped away before they went over the cliff. But look at what happened. Look at the hundreds and hundreds of Democrats who lost office, both federally and lost office statewide, you know, because they voted for Obamacare. They supported Obama. Obama was personally popular, but the policies weren't. Here you have a president who's not personally popular, and because he's not personally popular, he can't sell the policies. So a lot of Republican senators are saying, "Hey, we're going to back off on this." These tweets, I mean they they don't they don't help. Let's talk to John in Antioch. John, good morning. You're at six twenty WTMJ.
2: Hey, good morning. You know we got to look at the root. Where did all this start? It started with the Obama administration, and they were recording. This is why there was jeopardy with Flynn and why he's not in. Okay, so you still have probably a lot of recordings that have not been revealed that, you know, they may or may not have Comey on them. I mean, I don't think
1: that Trump is personally going after Comey and saying, hey, you know, uh,
2: threatening him with, oh, I'm recording you. But the bottom line is, we don't know what's been recorded. We don't know who's been on it because the Obama administration... Was doing all that.
0: Okay, but okay, let me no. stop you. Let me stop you, John, because I'm I'm looking at the text of the tweet that, that he sent out. This is the present. This is what he yeah. tweeted: James Comey, better hope there are no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. He's not saying he better hope that there's no tapes of conversations he's had. He's saying our conversations. So, I mean that. Pretty clearly implied. I mean, I think what he's talking about is whatever conversations they had in the run up to the the firing, where I think Comey probably asked to keep his job, and Trump probably said no. I don't. I, think, I mean, again, I, you know, I just, I, I, there might be other stuff out there, um, but, but I think, in fairness. The, say okay, in fairness I don't think there's any way you can look at this tweet and interpret this as anything other than a he better be careful what he says because I I've got him on tape and um, Trump has made it very clear that apparently Comey said you know you're you're not a subject you know you're not a target you know you're not under investigation and I believe actually I personally believe that that's that is the case I, I just so far I don't and I understand there's lots of people out there that hope this is otherwise I don't think that I don't think that anybody's really come forward at this point in time with credible evidence linking the Trump campaign to efforts that the Russians had to influence the election. Were they trying to influence the election? I, I think absolutely. I guess the bottom line is these these are distractions. And I guess some people think that, okay, this is the, this brilliant manipulator who's out there doing these type of things to get everybody to take their eye off the prize and, you know, for, forget other things. Well, all right, th- this is a tape that managed to be, again, th- this tweet in and of itself manage to have the the Comey firing, have another two days of shelf life. And every day that you're off message stops stops you from getting back to the items on your agenda. And that's especially damaging with an administration like President Trump's, where you've got the media that's out to get him. And so now it's, oh, you know, is this Richard Nixon again? Again, if I were Reince Priebus, and there's all these reports out there with that considering the Trump that see that's the Trump is complete considering a complete house cleaning. If I were Reince Priebus, that might be one of the best things that happens because that guy's life has got to be difficult. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, are toll roads the likeliest way the state will go about paying for future road projects? Are major undertakings like the zoo interchange in danger of being halted or canceled altogether without a solution soon? John McCure gets the answers to these questions when he goes one-on-one with Assembly Speaker Robin Voss at 320 today during Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Friday afternoon uh john was broadcasting they did the we love wisconsin tour they were up at a restaurant in newburgh no no's i went out there went out there and was kind of waving i had, had a great time walked in all sorts of wtmj listeners were there ended up saying hi to john and then sitting at the bar for a while talking to the owner so that's that that that's my way to spend a Friday evening but it was quite nice and a special thank you to everybody we ran into up there all right coming up uh in just a couple minutes big thing number two Is your computer working today? And if it is, you want to be careful. And then bad behavior involving an airline. Plus, um, an interesting story that mixes the world of politics and TV. Uh, Tim Allen, former star of Home Improvement. He is, well, he's one of a rare breed. He is an outspoken conservative in Hollywood. His very popular TV show was canceled by ABC and it appears that that might have had some political overtones. We will talk about all that. Stick around. It's eight fifty nine. News is coming up. This is Jeff Wagner. Nine oh eight. Jeff Wagner. Six twenty. WTMJ. Because I had a very very busy weekend, um, but I, and I really I, I wasn't paying too much attention. To, to the news and, until last night, but I was aware that there was this major cyber attack that had, had been launched on on computers all across the world um, and it, it involves this this ransomware. What What happens is you open up a file and then the file either gradually or immediately ends up taking over your computer and then you get this notice saying that you have to pay X amount of dollars to unlock it and if you don't pay it, your computer essentially becomes a, a doorstop. Um, I, I It appears that this was largely directed at people or offices that were running the old Windows XP system, you know, because um, now, of course, you've, you've got the more modern operating assist, uh, systems and Windows... Microsoft stopped putting out security patches for this particular operating system a couple years ago. So, you know, you had these hackers who were able to say, okay, we're going to figure out how to get into this, and we're going to exploit it, and Microsoft's not coming up with the patches. Apparently, there are now some that you can put on, but that's why this was picked. In in any event, um, I got – I don't know if there's one of these or not. But you know, on, on on my work email, you know, I, I just open it up and I see this one, that's addressed. It's hello, important, and it's addressed to all sorts of people, and I don't know whether or not this was a cyber attack or not. But I mean, my general philosophy is, I'm not I'm not opening up. I just do not open up files unless. I know exactly who the person is that's sending me them to me I just I don't open it up I don't pass on anything so I don't know if we were the subject of something like this or not I just immediately deleted and it's it's sitting there but big thing number two um, this is something that you need to pay attention to because there are people that are out there that are trying to exploit and are working very hard on a daily basis to try to exploit problems with people's computers And look, let let's. I I was home for a little bit Saturday afternoon. I had something to do Saturday morning. I was home for just a little bit Saturday afternoon, and um, the the electricity goes out. The the we energy said somebody hit a power line or something. So I didn't have power for about two hours. Well, the idea. I had actually been planning to do some stuff on the computer. The idea that you couldn't get on the computer. Now, I could access through, like, the cell phone, but then I couldn't print anything up. Just having no power, no TV. I could do it without the TV, but it was no computer access that was driving me crazy. So you can imagine what's happening today as people, like, boot their computers and they find that, that, you know, they've been the victim of this particular type of thing. Computer security experts are saying this is the biggest ransomware attack ever ever. So, I mean, the bottom line of this, and I don't know that there is a bigger story today that's out there. The bottom line of all this is that you really really do need to be proactive because there's all sorts of people out there who are trying to get into your computer system. Very close friend of mine, you know, was telling me, hey, you know, she she boots up her computer the other day and she's getting one of these pop-up screens, you know, saying Here, click on this because your computer's been infected. Well, your computer really hadn't been infected. If she would have clicked on it, the computer would have, in fact, been affected. So bottom line here, and this is big story number two. It might be the biggest story of the week. If you're getting some sort of email that you do not recognize particularly if you're running the Windows XP operating system, but I wouldn't just limit it to that. If you're getting an email, you're getting attachments, something from someone you do not recognize, do not pass go. Do not click on it because if you do – really really bad things can happen and this is one of the arguments that are out there for you know having some of the internet protection services and also making sure that your computer can take the regular updates that for example Microsoft provides so you can make sure that whatever patches and whatever security things that they might detect they're going to automatically be installed on your computer but this this is a huge huge deal And I was really curious this morning, when the day started, whether or not we were going to see reports of, like, massive outages. FedEx apparently got hit, but it doesn't appear, at least thus far, that, you know, American commerce is crumbling because of this. But you need to be really mindful. So big story number two, today, every day, but today more than ever, if you get some email, again, with attachments and you do not recognize it, do not open it do not open it. All right, big story number 3, bad behavior by an airline or bad behavior on an airline. There's another story we will discuss. Stick around. It's 9:13, Jeff Wagner,
3: 620
0: WTMJ. 16, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Help us complete the memorial to a local military legend as we continue our WTMJ Cares initiative with a special radiothon beginning at 8.30 this Friday. I am very pleased to be a part of this. It's your chance to contribute to our goal of completing the new memorial for Medal of Honor recipient Lance Sijon at the Mitchell International Airport. Keep listening all this week for more details about Friday's Radiothon and learn more about Lance Sijon, his story, and lasting legacy by clicking on the WTMJ Cares link at WTMJ.com. We're trying to raise $30,000. And and by the way, we're going to be doing this Radiothon on Friday during this program, but you don't have to wait until Friday. To make a donation, again, go to WTMJ Cares. Click on the link. This is something um, very near and dear to the heart of my dear friend Gene Miller, as well as all of us here, as part of WTMJ Cares. So, um, you know, support this initiative. It is—it's just a wonderful thing. Speaking of that, we've been talking on the news. This is Armed Forces Week, and you will notice—you you will notice all sorts of military activities that are going to be going on or around that the city. Um, some of which are open to the public. If you just Google like Armed Forces Week Milwaukee. You'll see it, and I would encourage you to check it out. I am always honored um, this year. Couldn't do it last year because of just some, just some stuff that was going on in my life that everybody knows about. But um, I'm, I'm back um, for the last several years, with the exception, I think, of last year. I have emceed this big dinner that they're having tonight um, to celebrate Armed Forces Week down at the Wisconsin Club. Very much looking forward to that. Wonderful group of people. So if you see military activities and you're interested in this, again, check it out. It's Armed Forces Week going on all week, all sorts of activities, many of which are open to the public. And you can just Google that, Armed Forces Week Milwaukee, and you can check it out all right one of the things if you are a police officer nowadays you have to realize that with the advent of cell phones anything you do is going to be caught on video and you, you just have to recognize that and behave accordingly all right because there's going to be somebody out there that's going to be recording it the same thing is true with flight attendants, and there is another story in the news about an incident that occurred on an airplane. And I want to share this with you and then get your reaction to it because honestly, I think I think trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong sometimes becomes more difficult. Alright, this is the story. Um, the, the video just quote unquote went viral over the weekend, but it's actually an incident that occurred on a JetBlue flight going from New York LaGuardia to Los Angeles, uh, to uh, Las Vegas on May 3rd. So the story actually goes back about two weeks. Alright, here's the story. The couple, and their names are Cameron and Minta Burke of New Jersey. They say the trip had been arranged as a surprise for Minta, that's the wife, her 40th birthday. The plan had been to fly with their children to Las Vegas, where they would meet up with relatives. And they had brought with them a buttercream cake from some famous bakery in Harlem. So they get on the plane with their kids, and they've got this this big cake. Um, The husband says they put the cake in an overhead bin. But a flight attendant comes by and says, says nicely, you have to remove it. So the guy moves it to another bin. She then asked me to move it underneath the seat in front of me. And I did. He said at that point, a second flight, this is his story, a second flight attendant intervened and began arguing with the first flight attendant. Um, And she was pointing to her, did you tell him he couldn't put anything in the overhead compartment, that I had never approached them, I said everything was fine, and she said, sir, this does not involve me. When she told me I had been non-compliant, I said, ma'am, have you been drinking? Because her behavior was not normal. All right, so then it it kind of escalates. Um, Jet Blue says, the customers became agitated, cursed, and yelled at the crew, and made false accusations about a crew member's fitness to fly. Presumably where the guy says, lady, have you been drinking? They also refused to speak with a team leader about the situation. Shortly afterwards, apparently the pilot calls the police. The police called, or called, the entire airport. aircraft is made to the plane. Video recorded by the dad captures two Port Authority police officers on the plane asking questions of the family, um apparently the kids are very uh, are upset throughout the incident um the wife keeps saying it's my birthday um one daughter saying dad i feel scared Um, Police officers are discussing the situation, and and they're just kind of saying, okay, this is all for a cake. You know, what's going on here? The police say no one's in any trouble. Um, It got reported to us. No one did anything wrong. Everything's going to be okay. Um, Unfortunately, they're going to have to rebook everyone. We're trying to avoid that. The kids are crying. Ultimately, they they get them off the plane. What happens is all the other passengers have to then have to – have to have new boarding passes issued. They're let back on the plane. The family is not. Again, the family says the customers refused multiple requests from the crew to remove the items, became agitated, cursed, and yelled at the crew, and made false accusations about a crew member's fitness to fly. Presumably, are you drunk? Um, He says he never cursed at crew members, and at no point was it known why he and his family were getting booted from the plane. They flew on United to Vegas the next day. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Here is my question. You know, and, and JetBlue says yes. We, we see this video of the police talking there. Um, this does not capture the entire incident. Here's what I want to discuss with you. Our pay, our our flyers. Especially in the wake of what happened with United, are flyers getting more and more belligerent and making flight attendants' jobs more difficult? Or is this another example of an airline again out of control, doesn't understand customer customer service and overreacting? I have a take, but I'm curious as to what yours is. 414-799-1620. That is the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are back to discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. All right. Based on – and again, there's there's a partial video that's out there. JetBlue has a very, very different story than the passengers do. All right. Who's wrong, if anyone? 926, Jeff Wacker, 620 WTMJ. Big thing number three, another controversy involving people on a plane – I'm not sure JetBlue is in the wrong on this one. Dave in Nakusa. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Oh, go. Hello. Good morning. Hi, Dave. Um I I have to side with JetBlue on this 100% because I fly a lot, and they always announce that the overhead storage bin is for your bigger bags, your roll-on bags, and they always say keep your jackets and your small stuff under your seat. If it right. fits under the seat, it's supposed to go there. Now I'm not I'm not saying JetBlue made that announcement, but everybody that flies a lot knows what the rules are, and I've I've seen stewardesses hand people small bags and purses and jackets quite often when the, you know when those overheads start to get
0: full. Well, what I don't understand about this whole story is 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 why the guy. The, the father in this case, you know, gets into a confrontation with the two flight attendants. I mean, even under his story, it's the two flight attendants that are arguing about, you know, one comes up and says, did you tell him you could put it in the overhead bin, which she probably shouldn't have done? Who puts a cake in an overhead bin, for God's sake? But, but it was between the two of them. He, it sounds like to me, he interjects and, you know, they say they curse at him. He doesn't, you know, it's like, okay, just follow instructions. We're all on the darn plane and we want it to take off. <laughs>
3: That they, I I saw the video, and I think if you saw the whole thing, that um, the, the gentleman—and that's probably right. a, a good word for him, but uh, or too nice of a word—but he was totally wrong. He didn't know what he was talking about. He should have just kept his mouth shut.
0: Well, right. I mean, thank, right. Because my understanding is they weren't going to throw him off the plane. It was the two flight attendants who were kind of arguing about. The one flight attendant apparently said you can put the cake in an overhead bin. Again, who puts a cake in an overhead bin? But, but regardless, I mean, they weren't telling him he couldn't have the cake, I don't think. He then, my sense is, kind of escalates this by deciding to stick his two cents in. I, it, in this particular case, I, I think, see, I just think passengers are feeling more and more emboldened to kind of, I don't know if the word provoke is fair, but to engage in these things. And look, being a flight attendant is a tough job. And I'm not saying that they're not wrong on occasion. I have criticized some of the flight attendants and some of the behavior. But in this one, it seems like this was was not any of this guy's business. He was the one that decides to get in the flight attendant's face, and at that point in time, it starts escalating. He says he didn't curse at him. Well, that's probably... I find it – I don't believe that. Let me just say that I, I don't believe it. And if you're going to get into or interject yourself into something, well, okay, bad things are going to happen. And if I'm on that plane, I'm kind of like, just sit down, buddy. And then the kids start crying, and then they call the cops. Well, okay, that's just what they do. Dan in New Berlin. Dan, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Jeff. Um, I agree with uh, your previous caller and your comments about uh, Jet blue being in the right. I guess an overview of uh, this, this escalation of all these issues with airlines is, is, is my question is it seems like they all begin with everyday common stuff that happens on an airplane. You can't bring a stroller on, you get bumped. Yeah. I mean, all this has been happening for decades, and we've all somehow managed to, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people get bumped from planes every year. I mean, it just seems like it wasn't an issue. Now, uh, are, you mentioned the guy provoking. Are we just going to get our cell phone cameras out and start rolling them and, and hope that we get some money out of something by provoking people? What What right. is the cause of all these altercations recently?
0: Well, or, or maybe, I don't know if it's that, or it's maybe just we, we all lack patience, and it's sort of like, okay, we're... We're, we, we don't like to be told what to do, and, and I admit some of the rules on the airlines might be a little bit silly, but in this particular one, I, I mean, I'm reading a story, and I'm trying to figure out why this guy is getting into it with the flight attendants. If, if they're discussing, my, my guess is one flight attendant was saying to the others, cakes never belong in overhead bins. Why does this guy decide that he needs to interject in this discussion? And they weren't telling him he couldn't have the cake, as far as I know. They were just telling him, all right, put it down on the floor. I like, can, you no,
1: imagine, th- can you imagine what the cake would look like? I mean, look what our luggage looks like sometimes the way it gets off a plane. <laughs> oh, you put a cake in your overhead.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I mean, right, I mean they, that, that's right. I mean, that's what I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, that's going to be me on that plane, and then the plane's going to land, and somebody's going to open it up, and I'm going to be wearing the cake. What idiot puts a cake in an overhead bin? And, and if a flight attendant told him to do that, I think she was wrong. But, again, I keep listening to this story, and it, it just – I keep wondering why is the guy – getting into it with the flight attendants who are apparently discussing this. He's the one that escalates it. And unfortunately, more and more passengers feel more emboldened to do that. All right. Coming up in just a couple minutes, was Tim Allen the victim of political correctness? Stick around. (laughs) Nine thirty six, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. We're just over a month away from the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. How is the course setup coming along? Greg Matsick gets the answer from the U.S.G.A. tournament manager tonight at seven thirty five during Sports Central. One final thought on the cake on a plane story. I'd like to claim this myself, but it's my dear friend Jane Mattinier who had the line. She said, I, just, I, just, I got a question here. Who schleps cakes to Las Vegas? I mean, it's like, okay, you're going to Las Vegas, all right? They have trust me. If, if they don't have it in Las Vegas, you do not need it. <laughs> just, just trust me. As somebody who's been going to Vegas for years, it is. Like, who's going to carry a cake all the way across the country? A, a cake. I mean, I, I understand that maybe if you're going to visit somebody, you've got, all right, hey, they've got some special bratwurst that you can't find anywhere else. So I understand, okay, maybe you bring the bratwurst or something, but they're carrying a cake, and they want to put it in the overhead bin. All right, so I'm. I I do. I mean, I, I do think what's going on is I think pay... Passengers are starting to feel more emboldened. Flight attendants are having you know shorter and shorter you know at attention spans, and it's more difficult to deal with this. And the bottom line is, you know, if you're on a plane, just as a general rule, follow the instructions unless the instructions are completely and totally unreasonable. And if flight attendants are arguing with each other, it's not your business. Just do what they tell you to do. All right, um, Tim out. A very popular comic. Um, that I, I I have not seen this show. I used to watch his old show Home Improvement, which was on ABC, ran ran for years. I confess, I have not seen this show. I watch I watch a lot of TV, but mostly it's sports or it's movies. There's not a lot of like ra- I And I, I I watch very very little on broadcast TV. I mean, right now. I watch Better Call Saul, that's on Monday nights. Um, The Americans on Tuesday nights. Um, you know, um, I've, I've been watching this American Gods thing on, on Stars. But I, I just, it's just, it's just tough for me to find the time to watch stuff with all the other things that are going on. So I confess, I've never seen this show. He's got Last Man Standing. Um, this is a show. Um, Tim Allen plays an unabashedly conservative actor. Um, on the show, he plays a conservative character, and he is, of course, a conservative actor. Um, you know, Tim Allen. I went on Jimmy Kimmel about a month and a half ago and talked about how if you're a conservative and you're trying to live and work in Hollywood right now, it's akin to being in Nazi Germany. Now, I, I always, I always hate references to Hitler or I hate references to Nazi Germany. But, but, anyways, that's what what the guy said. So, um, this is the time. That networks are announcing the shows that get renewed, or the shows that end up getting canceled. Um, Tim Allen's show, Last Man Standing, was not one that anybody thought was in danger of being canceled. Um, actually, it's with the exception of Modern Family, it's the the, the second highest-rated show on on ABC. You know, so it's doing really well. is Second uh, second most watched comedy this season. Um and I mean it hit ratings highs in its sixth season. So it's been on for 6 years and unlike a lot of shows that have drop offs like the first year or two they're popular and then they start to lose steam. Um Last Man Standing is is done very very well. Like I say, I haven't seen it. I take no position on this at all, but as I've been reading like the pop culture stuff, because I'm fascinated by TV, this was not one that anybody thought was in danger of being canceled. Well, it was, in fact, it was canceled. And now, now a lot of people are out there saying that they believe that one of the reasons why this was canceled is because it challenges the political orthodoxy of ABC and of of Disney. Um, there, there's no, I don't think that you can argue that, you know, that ABC, you look at the news coverage. You look at Stephanopoulos on on Good Morning America. I, I don't think you can argue that ABC is sort of an unabashedly, you know, liberal bastion. On top of that, um, this is not a show that that features and does not mock conservatives. Is certainly one that's not well. That, that that's not in vogue nowadays. That's not what comes out in in Hollywood. Um, so. A lot of people are now saying, hey, that this, you know, this could be a victim of political correctness. Matter of fact, um, some people are calling for a boycott. Our very own Governor Scott Walker sent out a tweet saying, looks like ABC is playing politics with the show, despite decent ratings. Sad. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Do you think that this was you think that this was political correctness on the part of the network or is it possible that there were other things going on now the, the, the reality is that the show despite the fact that it was increasing in popularity it was it was growing old um, the demographics of the show um, were, were again that the audience was starting to skew older um, ABC doesn't own the show, so they pay rights fees for it. And those right fees are probably, you know, going up. But this was a conservative screwing, uh, skewing sitcom. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know what? I, I hate to, you know, put on these tinfoil conspiracy hats, but I, I firmly believe this. I believe that politics was a factor. I don't think it was the only factor because, again, there's, there's some objective things that you can look at. But for God's sake, this, this is like ABC's second most popular show. It's not like ABC is rolling in, you know, huge successful shows. I think that this is one of the considerations that they had. If this was a show, my opinion, that was doing the same sort of numbers but skewed left – I believe they would have renewed it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the number. John in Elmhurst. John, you're on six twenty. WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, John. Was politics I, a factor in this? Do you think?
3: Oh, it's yeah, hundred percent. And most major media stations—ABC, uh, NBC, CBS—I I have a hard time watching those things because. I think it's political incorrectness, because if it was, you know, if it was the opposite side of the coin, right. people would be going crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. And th- that would be the story. Hey, look at the numbers this show is doing. Who cancels a show? Who in their right mind cancels a show like this? Right. Now, now, like I say, I mean... I I understand that it was an aging show, but the numbers were really, really good. I understand that as the show ages, you know, ABC, they don't own it. They have to pay rights fees. But still, this wasn't even a marginal show. Nobody saw this coming. Yeah, nobody saw it coming. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Clay in Theensville. Clay, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Hey, good morning, Jeff. Yeah, I'm a little shocked that uh, they're canceling the show because uh, you know, I think it's pretty funny and I've enjoyed it. But I can see where, if you have certain political leanings to the left, that you would be kind of offended by this show. So, mm-hmm.
0: so you think that it's you? You think that politics was was at least a factor, and the fact that Tim I, Allen was such an outspoken conservative and played a conservative character that helped undermine the show. I believe so. Yeah, I I I, I mean I I do. I, again, I just do as well. I mean, I understand, like I keep saying, that there's objective measures here. But, you know, there, there had to be something else that was going on here. And I I think part of it was ABC, which is a very, very liberal operation to begin with. I think that bleeds into entertainment. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. And it's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you were a fan of The Last Man Standing While the last man standing has been knocked down, the numbers don't seem to indicate it makes sense. Was it politics? We continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. 945, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 949, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. As a network, ABC shows are not highly rated. They just surprised. Almost everybody, by canceling the show that Tim Allen does called Last Man Standing, it's the second highest rated comedy that they have on ABC. Its numbers have been going up in its sixth season. Um, Nobody saw this coming. Tim Allen plays a conservative candidate on the a character on the show. He is an outspoken conservative. The show has a reputation of being the show for Donald Trump supporters, and a lot of people, myself included, believe politics factored into this decision. Julie in Milwaukee. Julie, you're on six hundred and twenty WTMJ. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Jeff. I love Last Man Standing. I you have to see it. It's the greatest show. Um, I can't believe that that's been canceled. Look at your Saturday Night Live and all the spoofs and things that they do. How come people don't get outraged about that?
0: Yeah, and, and of course, I mean, you know, Julie, the thing is, it was doing well in the ratings. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the thing. I mean, look, I understand if this was a marginal show, but as far as the ABC lineup, this is pretty much, short of modern family, this is the only other show that they have that's really doing decently, especially as far as comedies go.
1: Right, right. So, so oh, do you we think po- loved watching that show?
0: So do you think politics had a role in this?
1: Oh, I do believe so. Yes, yes. Yeah. And which is sad, you know. Freedom of speech. They're they're bringing out some very good points, I think, on this show. And if you're not a conservative, of course, you might right. not agree with it. But
0: right, no. I, <laughs> what happened to?
1: No, I'm not.
0: Yeah. no. Th- well, I mean, again, it, look, it's it's a business decision that they make. And and as I was trying to I'm trying to be fair here. I mean, I think that there's things there are business reasons you could point to the decision to cancel a very popular show whose ratings are still increasing. But you will never convince me that this if this were a show like all the shows are featuring liberal characters with a liberal point of view, if this was, you know, the, the same situation, they would have never canceled this. Larry and Waterford. Larry, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, we have 82 of the episodes DVR'd on our system. Okay. And we just enjoy the show immensely. In fact, my kids will not let me uh, delete any of them because when there's anything, anything else to watch, we're always uh, watching uh, Last Man Standing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, is it... I mean, I get... The, I, I, get it, I, I haven't seen it, but I get. I get the idea that it's kind of family-friendly as well. Oh, it is. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's a real family. It, it shows the family as as you would any other family. Right. And, you know, he has a black neighbor. And it's it's so funny because the way they interact with them, um, they're such friends, and yet they, they interact with each other, and it makes it so much better of a show, mm-hmm. you know, to, with all the possibilities that they have. And it's just a great show, and yeah. politics definitely
3: got a hand in this one.
0: Yeah, no, th- thanks for calling. That's, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, I, I think, you know, very, very clear about this. Um, Kathy, let's see, sends me an email. The news of this cancellation is shocking. Yes, his character is conservative, but his wife and daughters are Democrats, and the balance between the two is funny and poignant. When his character goes on a rant about a current issue, you can count on his family to counter it with equally funny and respectable banter. I just don't get it. This is one of the best shows on TV I watch. Reruns every day. Kathy agrees with Governor Walker. She says, um, sad. Uh, Scott writes, Modern Family jumped the shark two seasons ago and it's still on ABC. It is a liberal show. Well, OK, Modern Family, though, does well in the ratings. So that's that's it. Modern Family does well in the ratings. But Last Man Standing does well in the ratings. Like I say, there's some business reasons you could point to. But if you don't think politics was a factor in this. My advice would be, make sure you tuck your left shoulder as you fall off the back of the turnip truck so you don't get hurt. 956, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up right after the 11 o'clock news, we're going to be joined by the uh, state of Wisconsin secretary of the Department of Administration. We're going to be talking about this proposal of the governors to look at self-insurance. The governor believes by self-insuring, it would potentially save taxpayers a whole boatload of money and it's being stalled in the state legislature by some people who should know better. So we're going to talk about that with the secretary of the department of administration at 1108 coming up in about 10 minutes. The drunk says the cops were too rough. Stick around. That will be interesting today. I tell you, this is one of these stories that has me just screaming at the radio when I, I hear it reported. Um, It is the legacy of the Obama administration. Remember Bradley Manning, uh, now Chelsea Manning? But Bradley Manning was the intelligence analyst in Iraq who took more than 700,000 secret military and State Department documents and battlefield video and leaked them, jeopardizing national security. Um, He said, well, I didn't like some of the stuff the government was doing, so I decided to use my position to leak all these classified documents. He was convicted of a military court-martial of 20 counts, including six Espionage Act violations, theft, and computer fraud. He was sentenced to 30 years in, in prison. In one of his last acts before heading out the door, President Obama commuted Manning's sentence. Uh, gave him essentially time served and four months. Those four months are up, and uh, Wednesday, Bradley Manning is scheduled to, now Chelsea Manning, is scheduled to be released. But get this, he is going to remain on ak- he she I don't want to get into that. Chelsea Manning will remain, because um, after Bradley Manning gets convicted, goes through like the gender identification stuff, so now it's Chelsea Manning. Chelsea Manning will remain on active duty. Following her release from military prison at Fort Leavenworth on Wednesday, she will be an unpaid soldier, but will be eligible for health care and other benefits." Um, she will remain a private in the Army. So here you have somebody that jeopardized national security, should be in prison for decades, has been ordered released, and will continue to receive taxpayer paid for medical care while on active duty status pending final appellate review. Thank you, President Obama. No, 08, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Jane, I know. You share my concern with how dangerous roadways are, like crazy drive. Let let me, let me just from your newspaper, let me tell you a story. This is a true story. It's a, um, I'm I'm unfortunately not exaggerating, not making this story up. A um, a friend of mine, he he actually, the son-in-law of the woman I'm seeing, was involved in a hit and run accident, collision uh, last week, driving about five o'clock at night. And um, is is hit by what they think was a drunken driver. He's like trying to make a turn, and this woman tries to pass him at a high rate of speed or something. Slams into the side of his car. Um, knocks his car starts spinning. Airbags, you know, go off. Car is totaled. Um, he's he, he's 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 not in good shape. I mean, I, I actually had a chance to see him yesterday, but it is. You know, dazed and disoriented, disoriented still. You know, airbags going off. The car, like I say, is totaled. Um, you know, and he's walking gingerly. You don't know the nature of the thing, and it's and uh, so the story is th- so this this happens. It's five o'clock, and the car drives off. Well, well, somebody got the license plate. Now, when I say got the license plate, normally you think that that means like somebody saw this happen and wrote down the license plate, right? right? No, no. They got the license plate because the impact was so great. The bumper, honest to God, the bumper of the car that the woman is driving falls off. Wow. And she apparently drives off. So, you know, when the police arrive at the scene, you know, this witness is going, we can't believe the person driver. No, they got the license plate because it was attached to the bumper that fell off. And this woman, you know, just drives away. Now, uh, he, he just doesn't know. I, I haven't seen the police report because he hadn't seen it and they, they don't. He, his his understanding was she was arrested for hit and run and suspicion of drunk driving and his his thought was he you know he said that they're not telling him a lot about this <clears throat> but. The guess is it's not her first time at the rodeo and stuff like that. But again, it's just it's five o'clock, and you know he was he was just going to the store. He was a couple within a couple miles of where he lived. And the the one interesting thing was that his his daughter, who is I, know, I should know 10, eleven years old, she wanted to go with him to the store. Where the impact of the car oh, was my. the impact that's where she would have been sitting. Sure. Um, but it's it's again some you know his understanding was it was somebody who had multiple drunken driving convictions and. You know, but it's hit and run, and the bumper of the damn car falls off, and the person just drives away you know <laughs> it, you know sometimes police sometimes hit and runs are really tough to track down. this one is not, but it's just you just never know nowadays well and it's it, it the, the fact that it happened at 5 o'clock, yeah. and I remember that fatal accident that happened last year at Sherman and Roosevelt, right. that was in
3: the middle of the day. Right. And and no one, as far as I know, in that instance, was drinking. Uh, I see this all the time to the point now where I won't take city streets to work anymore. Yeah. Because it's so bad. Yeah. This is, Passing on the right, blowing through stop signs, blowing through red lights. Right. It's just, and, and going 80 miles an hour, literally down Capitol Drive or Roosevelt yeah. Avenue. It's insane.
0: Yeah, so now, so now, I mean, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm curious, and he just doesn't know the answers. You know, but did, did, the, did the person have insurance? Because, so, I mean, he's, you know, it I mean, thankfully, it could have been worse. But, yeah, he, he's he's hurt. There, there's no question about it. And you don't know how, you know, you don't fully know the nature of the injury. The car is totaled. Um, you know, and you're hearing these stories. Okay, you, uh, you know, how was she drunk? How drunk? We, they, they, know it was a, you know, hit and run. And my guess is, my belief is, most of the times when people do that, they're running away because they know they're drunk. And again, the the whole bumper fell off. But you know, if there's multiple drunk driving convictions, is there insurance? You know, um, was the person driving on a valid license? You don't know any of those type of things. But meanwhile, you got a car that's totaled. Hospitals, right? You know, and and on obviously ongoing treatment sort of things, and and you're injured, and it's just like you take your life in your hands all the all the time. So that was <laughs> that was the story over the last couple of days, and I had a chance to see him yesterday, and it was kind of like, oh well, I you know hope he's walking really gingerly and stuff, but it's just like, man, now I bring I, I bring this up because I, I, as a lead into the story, I want to talk about with you next because I, I never have patience with this sort of stuff, but again. What would happen to to Chris kind of informs me, and I've been fuming over this since I heard it a couple days ago. all right, so here's here's the story. It's the latest lawsuit that has been filed in u s. district court um against the Green Bay against the city of Green Bay, the police department, and two officers. Here is the story. It involves a thirty seven year old guy who was convicted in Brown County. Of his fourth drunken driving offense he was sentenced to hundred and thirty days in jail he pled no contest to a drunken drunken driving charge um, in the lawsuit he has filed he doesn't deny that he was intoxicated he also admits that after he was pulled over he continued to Asked the officer multiple occasions why he was being arrested. Why are you arresting me? Um, Declined to take a breathalyzer and suggested that he needed at least 23 seconds to comply with each of the police commands. So the cops pull over this repeat drunk driver, refuses to acknowledge why he's being arrested, and you can just imagine this, refuses to take a breathalyzer and then starts jerking the cops around. Okay, so that, that that's what he admits. Well, in his lawsuit, um, this is what they say, Mister, the guy's name was unable to ascertain the reason for his being retained. Well, probably because he's so blind drunk, he doesn't get it. So he continued to question the officer on the topic, the lawsuit says. Uh, the... Police officers improperly deployed a taser on an intoxicated individual and conducted a grossly negligent seizure, even though he was not a danger to the officers and was willing to comply with their commands if given more than 23 seconds to do so. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but I need 23 seconds to do it. So apparently he's belligerent. What happens is um, they end up, you know, tasering him. He says he wasn't resisting the officers um, when they tasered him. Because he was drunk and handcuffed, he couldn't catch himself when, you know, they put him on the ground. He landed on his face and broke bones in three places. He said the officer showed a noticeable indifference to his well-being and health during the incident. Officers had pulled him over at 1.30 a.m. on May 15, 2014, three years to the date. That's uh, the reason the lawsuit's being filed is their statute of limitations things. Um, for a minor lane deviation. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so you've got a guy, fourth time drunk driver, gets pulled over. Apparently, and again, I I wasn't there, but you can tell what's going on here, doesn't understand why the police have arrested him, says, I'll do what you're telling me, but I need 23 seconds to comply, refuses to take a breathalyzer, he ends up getting arrested, they put him on the ground, he hits his face, he's now filing a lawsuit. All right, we weren't there, but I have to tell you, as far as sympathetic plaintiffs go, and sometimes there are sympathetic plaintiffs. If I'm on this jury, I I, I love the line that the police were um, apparently noticeably indifferent to his health and well-being. All right, here's where I start. Mr. Fourth Time Drunk Driver, you want to talk about somebody who is noticeably indifferent to the health and well-being of people on the street, it starts with the drunk driver. All right, one segment. 414 799 1620. That is the accurate mortgage talk and text line. Anybody can sue anybody for anything. But under these circumstances, and this is the way the guy presents it, I admit I was drunk. I admit I refused to go along with the breathalyzer. I admit that I did not comply with the officer's instructions, except I told him, give me 23 seconds. I admit that I kept questioning why I was being stopped. But, oh, my gosh, you know, they they put me on the ground and they ended up tasering me. I don't know about you, but when I just first hear this description, and this is the plaintiff's version of the offense, I don't feel particularly inclined to write him out a big check. Where is this lawsuit going to go? 414-799-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1020. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in less than 40 minutes, we're going to be talking to the state of Wisconsin Secretary of the Department of Administration about why... Some Republicans in the legislature don't think it would be a good idea to potentially save the taxpayers. That's us. Um, several million dollars a year. Stick around. That's going to be an interesting conversation. Right now, it's a story out, out of Green Bay. Three years ago, actually, to the day, um, what happens is a – I'm going to describe as a chronic drunk driver. If you've got four drunken driving convictions, um, I, I think that that classifies you for that. Guy gets arrested. One thirty in the morning after like weaving lanes the cops you know get him out of the car he refuses he refuses to go along with a breathalyzer keeps saying well why am i being detained why am i being stopped what's going on um he says that you know i'll do what you say but i need at least 23 seconds before i obey any of your particular commands and at some point in time he is then you know taken into custody my sense is he struggles, he ends up being tasered, gets put on the ground, and as he's going to the ground, he hits his face, and you know sustains three broken bones, which is a it's an unfortunate thing that ended up happening. He is now filing a lawsuit against the city of Green Bay, claiming that police officers were too rough for him. Now I understand the devil is in the details, and that you will have this case, and the jury can ultimately decide the facts of this. I'm just here to tell you. And maybe it's, again, because I'm just death on these, 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 especially these repeat drunk drivers who are out there causing carnage on the highways. And here you have somebody for now fourth conviction. So you can figure out if they're and you can decide for yourself whether every time he got caught were the only times he was drinking or not, who clearly cops and attitude with the police and when they arrest him my guess is there is a bit of a struggle if they have to come out and taser him and now he's suing well i didn't like it i was arrested i was too hard well all right and the, the police they showed i love the phrase like i say a he claims a noticeable indifference to his well-being well let's start with the basic premise you get yourself drunk you get behind the wheel of a car and you go out on the streets and sir or madam you are the ones that are showing a noticeable indifference to the well-being of everybody. And it is unfortunate. it is always unfortunate if in the course of being arrested, an individual engages in contact conduct, which, you know causes the police to have to use a degree of force to take you in. But you know what? Starting off with the basic premise, don't get yourself drunk. Over and over again. Don't get behind the wheel of a car over and over again. And you know what? You're not going to have to worry about getting put in handcuffs, and you're not going to have to worry about being tasered if you end up struggling. And by the way, if you get arrested for drunk driving, instead of just saying, "Why am I being stopped?" and I'm not going to take a breathalyzer, and and um, here I'll, I'll do what you say, officer, but give me 23 seconds. But, okay. Um, Hey, if you do the crime, do the time, you know, and and also, you know, take the responsibility for it. So I don't know if this guy's trying to win the legal lottery or not. Don't know where the lawsuit's going to go. All I am saying is, even under the version of the offense outlined in the plaintiff's complaint, I don't think this is exactly a sympathetic guy, but who knows? (laughs) It's 1026, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The WTMJ Classic Freeride is officially out of the garage and making its first appearance of the year register to win this beautiful 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 convertible I have seen the car it is cool today from 3 until 6 at Woodman's on Howell Avenue in Oak Creek John Mercure will be reg- registering you and giving you a chance to win tickets to see the Zach Brown band play Summerfest and of course we're giving away the car today this year on the final night of Summerfest how cool is that it's the WTMJ classic free ride sponsored by New Male Medical in Tosa and of course our friends at Summerfest alright last weekend was the uh, State Republican Convention in in the Dells. And uh, what they always do there is they always have a a straw poll. um, And right now there's a ton of candidates who are at least discussing running against tammy baldwin the very liberal u.s senator who's up for re-election in november of 2018 matter of fact there's already some political action groups that are running some ads against tammy baldwin already and there's a lot of republicans who are in the race they did a straw poll and uh, state senator leah vukmir well known to this program well known to our listeners um, ended up winning the poll uh, what what that exactly means you know, I'll let people decide. But it's interesting. There's a lot of potential candidates throughout there. Um, Madison businessman Eric Hovde. The reports are he's apparently. Um He's apparently sold more than 14 million dollars of stock in a single company since November and some people are speculating okay is this you know one of the things he's going to do to raise money to get into the race and somebody actually said to me would he be a credible candidate I said well, of course he would this you know um when when Tammy Baldwin ran for election you know, six years ago, um, Huvday was the guy who came in second. Tommy Thompson ended up winning, but Eric, H- Eric Huvday ran an incredibly competitive race and um, I think was viewed by many of us, myself included, as being a rising star. He's one of the guys who would be in a position to self-finance if he decided to get into the race. Um Will he or not? I, I don't know. And a lot of times, again, investors, there's a whole lot of reasons why people might sell stock in a particular company. So you don't want to read too much into that. But um, he's out there. The bottom line of all this is there's a lot of really, really interesting and qualified candidates. I mean, obviously, uh, Leah Volkmir, um, Senator Leah Vukmir, probably perhaps the, the best Known some of the other names that are being, you know, um, floated around. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald, um, Dale Kuyenga. I don't know if they're going to end up getting in the race. Then you got a couple lesser-known names. Um, interesting because they, they have. They have Democratic backgrounds, uh, now considering running as a Republican, Marine veteran and businessman Kevin Nicholson and uh, Nicole Schneider, who um, is the daughter-in-law of the late Donald Schneider from Schneider Trucking. And um, those are kind of interesting because, like I say, they have they're, – their conservative – I don't – their conservative pedigree is, is certainly – questionable at least based on past stuff doesn't necessarily mean it's a present indicator people do you know change their opinions but the bottom line is there's going to be no shortage of really qualified candidates who are running to challenge Tammy Baldwin and I have to tell you if you are a political junkie like I am it's going to be just a fascinating year and a half leading up to that election. It's 1035, Jeff Ratt, 620 WTMJ. Help us complete the memorial to a local military legend as we continue our WTMJ Cares initiative with a special radiothon beginning... My show 8:30 this Friday. It's your chance to contribute to our goal of completing the new memorial for Medal of Honor recipient Lance Sijon at Mitchell International Airport. Keep listening all this week for more details about Friday's radiothon and learn more about Lance Sijon, his story, and the lasting legacy of Sijon by clicking on the WTMJ Cares link at wtmj.com. And yes, while while we're going to be doing the radiothon raising money on Friday to get the $30,000 to complete the memorial, that doesn't mean you can't give money before that. So go to WTMJ Cares at our website and check it out. Um, it is a a wonderful initiative, and I'm glad to do that and help out my friend Gene Miller. Let me um, let me be self indulgent for just a minute. Um, as as many of you know, this has been kind of a uh, it's been a difficult couple years. Um, I just I, I first of all I want to just say thank you. Um my wife passed a year ago yesterday and so it's been kind of an, a, a rough year and I, I was just again amazed by how many people you know sent me cards and emails, you know, acknowledging that. And um I'm I'm in candidly a you know, a better place than I thought perhaps I, I would ever be for a variety of reasons. But I, I bring this up as anybody who's ever gone through a tragedy knows you depend on you, you depend on your family and your friends and your colleagues to help you get it, get you through that. And I couldn't have gotten through the last couple of years without uh, my 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 best and dearest friend Evan, who's it's his birthday today. And I just wanted to say a very special shout out to um to my friend Evan Johnson, who um has just been wonderful for the last for my entire life for the decades that we have been friends, but uh, the last couple of years in particular. So today's his birthday. My birthday's tomorrow. So we um. We, it, just, it just was kind of one of those funny things that, you know, we, um, but um, Evan's been a special friend for years. So happy birthday. That's my little self-indulgent moment. All right. Back to the program. The One of the politicians create controversy. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Barack Obama or George Bush or Ronald Reagan. You're always going to be controversial because... You know, we are a very divided country, you know, politically. If it's a Democratic president, Republicans are going to disagree with him and, and vice versa. So there's always going to be people who disagree with you or don't approve of the job you're doing because of, uh, again, your, your politics. But one of the things that undermines a politician in general and a president in particular is what they call the credibility gap, and the credibility gap involves people who just don't trust the politician. And for our purposes, we're going to be talking about the president. Doesn't matter whether you agree with the policies or not, you just flat don't trust them. And once people start believing that any politician or a president in particular is not trustworthy, it becomes very, very difficult for that presidency to succeed or or survive. Let me give you some examples from the past. Um, Lyndon Johnson, and I, I, when when Lyndon Johnson. You know, took over following the death of of John F. Kennedy in, in 1964. He won this huge election. You know, just uh, it was it was an electoral landslide that kind of gave him a mandate to do whatever he wanted to do. And he implemented all the great society policies and things like that. And yet, four years later, Lyndon Johnson does not run for re-election and leaves office essentially as a beaten man, kind of in disgrace. What was it that did him in? Well, it was it was Vietnam, but it wasn't just the war in Vietnam, which was an unpopular war. It was the credibility gap because people, or at least a large chunk of the American public, did not believe that he was telling the truth. They thought. They they thought he was lying to them about what was going on in Vietnam, and ultimately you had that credibility gap. People who trusted him, and the numbers just became so overwhelming that you know Johnson was concerned that he was going to start losing Democratic primaries. So he just said, "Okay, I'm I'm not going to run. I'm not even going to run for reelection," which was staggering considering where he was four years ago. Perhaps the biggest example of a credibility gap came you know, a few years later with Richard Nixon and Watergate. This is, you know, Richard Nixon gives his famous press conference saying, I'm not a crook. Well, what, what happened is, because of all the things he said about Watergate that turned out to be untrue, because of the tapes and all those type of things, nobody believed him. Republic, and, you know, even people who supported some of his policies just didn't believe him anymore. And so it, it just became untenable. That's the credibility gap that's there. Now, I bring this, let's talk about today. I bring this up because there's a number of polls out there which suggest that President Trump currently has the biggest credibility gap of any president since Richard Nixon. And the story I'm looking at, you know, points to, for example, I, and I don't think this is atypical, but there's a Quinnipiac poll that came out a couple weeks ago saying that um, by 61 percent to 33 percent that the American public believe that President Trump was not honest. That is a 28 percentage point of an underwater rating on honesty it's double the 14 point divide that he scored um at the beginning of the year so i mean th- that's a staggering number i mean almost almost not quite but almost two-thirds of the people in this particular poll say that they do not believe he's honest and that is going to include at least some people who, who like like his policies but they, they don't believe that he's honest all right 414-799-1620. That is the Acumen Mortgage Talk and Text line. Again, I believe that there there is nothing that undermines a politician or a president and a president quicker than the American people losing trust. It's one thing to say the American people disagree with your policy American people disagree with getting involved in the war in Iraq. The uh, American people disagree with the Affordable Care Act. Okay, those are things that, those are policy things. You know, you, you can, you know, you policies change. You know, opinions on policies change. You can survive, you know, coming out with an unpopular tax plan. You can survive coming out with an unpopular social services plan. You can't survive. People not believing you are honest. So four one four seven nine is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Do you believe that President Trump is honest? I will answer that question, but I'm curious as to your answer. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Is he honest? Why or why not? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1042. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1046, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Some political observers now claim that more so than celebrate the successes of President Trump, many Republicans would rather celebrate the Democrats' reaction to every Trump move. Do you agree with this? Scafidi and Bill Statt debate, 207 today. All right. Um, there's an analysis out there that suggests that President Trump has the biggest credibility gap of any president since Nixon. That credibility gap is when they ask people, do you think in this case, President Trump is honest. You know, a new poll says that um, by a margin of almost two to one—not quite, but almost two to one—people say no, and that that's of course hurting him. So my, my question is a simple one: four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I mean, do you think the president is honest? That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Let me answer that to start off the conversation. If I were asked, being asked the question do I think he is honest? My answer would be no. And I I understand that maybe people are throwing stuff at the radio right now, but I I just, I have been arguing since President Trump took over that you have to separate style from substance. And that's why I have been inclined to cut him more slack, I think, than, than some people, because as far as the substance of some of these initiatives, they're at least going through I, I, I support them. As I've said multiple times, I think you have to do something. Obamacare is going to crater. You have to do something with the Affordable Care Act. What what the congressional Republicans did, is this the be-all, end-all? I don't know, but at least it's it's a first step. I agree with the substance of that. I agree with the substance of kind of reversing what the Obama administration did with regard to you know the way we handled situations like Syria or North Korea. So I, I agree with the substance. But style-wise you just look at one thing after another coming out of of this white house and and coming in particular from the president and what you have the impression i get is you have apart from the substance of the issues you have a, a president who just has a tough time telling the truth that, that because see that's the one thing there, there when when you're talking about true or false there there is, there is a truth And, I mean, I understand how people can shade the truth or try to spin it, but I really get the sense on on one issue after another, and I appreciate that the media is not willing to give him a break, but this this is somebody who will say anything at any given time in an effort to try to deflect attention or to do things and i mean i understand where this credibility gap is coming from and it is unfortunate because i think it is hampering his ability to get stuff done but yeah i i i think that there's huge issues 414 and I, I think i certainly understand why there are people who do not consider him to be honest and even though i agree with a lot of the policies I don't know that I consider him to be honest. Matt in Racine. Matt, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Matt. Thanks for taking my call. Sure.
1: Um, I think his substance is honest, but I just think that the ways that he goes about and does it are not exactly as honest as they can be, mostly because he says Mexico is going to pay for the wall. Yeah. And I guess we're finding out that we're going to pay for it. I like the substance. I just
3: yeah. I wish he was a little more transparent with the means of doing it.
0: Well, right. Or... Right, or, or, or that's another word for honest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. No. No. Thanks for no. I pre, no. I, I, again, look, and again, looking, I'm not. I'm not proud of saying this, but I. I mean, it's one thing after another. Okay. Scott sends me an email. I've tried and tried and tried to believe Trump and what he and his administration have said, but time and time again, he and his administration have been proven to be flat out lying to us, or he's done a complete one hundred one eighty on what he campaigned on. Yeah. I mean, the 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 wall would be a classic example. I could list the many examples, but the list would be too long for the email. Um, that's. See, that's what it's that credibility that hurts you, because if you're going to get stuff done, what you need is is you need people to trust you. You need people to believe that, you know, your word is good. You need people to believe that you are, in fact, honest, because sometimes even if people don't, if if they trust you, if they believe you're honest, they're, they're willing to cut you some slack. I think part of the problem they're going to have moving forward and part of the thing that's going to be really hampering this administration is the fact that there's a lot of people who should be allies who are sitting are going to sit there and say, we just don't know. We don't know what the truth is. We can't trust what's being said because there's been so many flip flops or, or whatever that we're not going to stick our neck out. All right. Patrick in Milwaukee. Patrick, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ.
3: Hi, Jeff. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, um, I think that he's not any more dishonest than any other politician. Um, I think that it's just the, the media that they keep pounding on that, that he's dishonest. And, and um, I think most people know that he's not any different. If you did a, a poll on Obama, if he was uh, honest or dishonest, I'm sure the polls would come out saying he was honest, even after all of his Obamacare. Uh,
0: so you why? you think it's you just think it's nothing but kind of a media creation um, that that's, that's yeah. causing this?
3: Yes, and I don't believe any. I don't believe polls anymore.
0: Well, the presidential election. I under I mean, th- I see. I see, Patrick. I, I understand the. I understand why everybody. And I think they're legitimately questioning polls. I, I will tell you, forget polls. I kind of go with a with a gut feeling. I think. And I, I'll, I mean, I think that there were, while there were a lot of people, for example, who disagreed with George Bush and disagreed with Barack Obama. I guess I, I do, I, I don't, I don't think that if you had done these similar sort of polls, and let's assume the polls are are accurate within a margin of error, I, I don't think it was so much an honesty factor. I think it was we just think that they're they're plain wrong. Um, unfortunately, with Donald Trump and look and I, I appreciate that there's a bias in the mainstream media and i appreciate that you know the, the media i think has kind of been out to get him but he's he's given you know i mean he whether it's i mean okay the most, the latest example even before this poll the, after the poll was taken you've got the whole comey thing where there's you know, one story after another, and one version that comes out after another. And and the American people won't tolerate being lied to. And, and that's, I think, the very real concern that you should have for this administration that I, by the way, want to succeed. But if people, I will tolerate a lot, you will tolerate a lot in your personal life, or your professional life, but you won't my guess is you won't tolerate being lied to. And that's the problem we're getting into now that I think people are, are starting to, even with the natural skepticism you have involving politics, you're starting to say, okay, this, this guy's lying. Um, and the truth is whatever he thinks it's going to be at a particular moment. I mean, tell me the truth. Let me process it. I can figure out how to handle it. Gary and Racine. Gary, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Good morning. I, uh, I think the president has waffled on way too many issues, reversed himself for his own convenience, is trying to stonewall the firing of Comey, uh, and, and is somehow trying to plow under the issue of the Russian involvement in, in, in our election process, mm-hmm. because I think he knows there's something there which may well cause him some serious problem.
0: L- uh, let me ask you this, Gary. Were you a Trump supporter or not? Yes. You were. Okay. I was. So you've broken bad on him since he took office. Okay. Okay. you bro- You broken bad on him since he took office.
1: Exactly. And okay. increasingly more every day.
0: Well, I again, I just. It is this, and, you know, you use the term liar. I'm, I'm just. I'm using the term credibility gap. Um, but I think that there's more. And as a matter of fact, you know, th- there's a lot of people out there because actually in this poll I was looking at, his approval rating, you know, the substance. That's about eight points higher than the trust factor, which tells me that there's even people who, you know, were supporting him or still support his policies who don't believe him. And you know, if, if people think you're a liar, you're done. You're just flat out done. You can never get their trust back. I agree. No, thank And that's that's that that's that that is an issue, and it's an issue that that, that bothers me because again, once. Once you get that perception, once you get that reputation of you're the you're the cheating spouse, okay. Good luck trying to win you know trust back. Those are those are those types of things that are you know that are out there, and and it makes it difficult again to get your agenda through. Okay, our text line has exploded. Jeff, I don't feel he's honest, but I don't feel the majority of politicians are honest. They'll spin anything to fit the narrative. Yeah, there's a difference though between spinning and outright lying. <laughs> there's just no nice way to say this. Okay, Doc and worth with Side writes, it's the old saying, if I can't dazzle them with my brilliance, I'll baffle them with my BS. Mixed emotions, glad Hillary lost, voted for Trump, but question, 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 um y- you know, yeah. Mitch and Sturgeon Bay says if dishonesty includes embellishment or exaggeration, then no, um I, I doubt trump ever saw thousands of new york muslims celebrate 911 nor 1 million people at his inauguration yeah it's see it's it's little things like that but then it's it's the big things too jim in west Dallas. jim you're on 620 WTMJ good morning
1: yeah i uh my 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 uh sentiments echo what you just said uh <laughs> I think the man's an embarrassment. He's the he's the leader of our country. I voted for him because I can't stand the Clintons either, mm-hmm. especially Hillary and the and the group that that backs her. The thing about the, the the thing I believe about Trump is he's so indoctrinated into business and getting his way and sitting with a small group of people pushing them around and insisting on his way mm-hmm. and his way only and then he screws them once he gets the deal that's why he's been in court so many times he has no clue how this government works well it's also many-
0: yeah i mean thanks I'm, I'm kind of up against the clock i'm sorry but I, I mean i i think look here you have a guy and and I'll, I'll give him his due. He's a very successful New York real estate guy and a wheeler dealer and an operative where you, you come out and you make all these big, bold claims, and you're used to saying stuff that you, I don't know, might be true, might not be true, but it's kind of that bombastic, I'm a salesman type of thing. Here, I'm going to say what I need to do to you know complete the deal, and then I'm going to deny it or I'm going to back off or, or whatever. That That trait – obviously can work well in certain types of settings it doesn't work well though when you're the leader of the free world and that's i think that's what you're starting to see play out it's 1109 Jeff wagner so glad to have you with us all right um in the governor's budget proposal what he wants to do is he wants to boost pupil per pupil spending for for schools Somewhere in the neighborhood of six hundred and fifty million dollars, something that, that everybody applauds. But in order to make that work, you have to find savings in other areas of the budget. And one of the things the governor has been talking about doing is moving to a self insurance model for state employees that they think would save tens of millions of dollars. I will be honest with you, for reasons that I just do not get, um, there are certain members of the state legislature who do not appear to be on board with this. We are joined right now by the Secretary of the Department of Administration, Scott Knightzel, to talk about this. Mr. Secretary, good morning.
2: Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for having me on.
0: First of all, would you explain to me in this context what self-insurance is?
2: Yeah, what self-insurance basically is, is most small employers, the reason you go to an insurance plan is you're trying to gain access to a much larger risk pool, right? If you have five, 10, 15 employees, uh, you run a great risk of somebody having uh, a cra- catastrophic illness. You need to get to a larger risk pool. Therefore, you go out and buy a product from an insurance company. They put you with a number of other uh, employees or other employers, so you get a kind of a critical mass. Right? What self-insurance says is the state already has a very large pool. We have about 39,000 state employees that are covered, and then local government uh, personnel, all the dependents, university, and the like. So we have a pool of about 240,000 lives that we insure. All we are saying is, we don't need to pay that premium to get us into a pool, which is Turns out to be a service that we don't need. And by eliminating that service, we save the state at least $60 million over the next biennium.
0: Now, how, how, as a practical matter, how would it work? You would still contract with, like, at least some providers, right, to, to make sure that the employees are covered, right?
2: Correct. Basically, this would all still be privately delivered. So we have contracts with a few providers around the state, we've divided the state into four regions, and there's at least one provider in every region, an administrator, and then one statewide. They've gone out and contracted with clinics, doctors, hospitals, and so on to provide the actual services. So for our employees, our employees will see almost no difference in their health care uh, delivery.
0: So the only the, the, the practical difference is when there is a claim, that claim instead of being paid by the insurer, that claim is going to be paid out of money that the state has. And you're saying that by doing it that way, you can save up to sixty million dollars by not having to pay for the service that has the insurance company doing that. That's what this is all about. Correct. Okay. I I, I swear for the, for the life of me, I I don't understand why the legislature has just pretty much said we, we don't want to do this. I'm kind of stunned by this decision.
2: Well, as were we. I think, uh, you know, our first reaction was disbelief. Uh, there had been a number of concerns raised by the legislature, and this is not a Johnny-come-lately idea. Uh, Forty-six other states uh, totally self-insure or partially self-insure. 46? Okay, Forty-six? Okay, there's 50
0: states, so 46. out. Of, okay, I'm with you. Go ahead. Okay.
2: And, uh, 94% of employers that have 5,000 or more employees self-insure. So this is a tried-and-true way to deliver health care for employees. The other concern that we had heard is over the years, the, while the group insurance board had been looking at this, there had been a number of studies that said, well, it could save X or Y or Z. And the legislature previously had said, well, we're not sure that those uh, studies are accurate. What's different now is we have signed contracts. So this is absolutely certain. We have signed contracts with the administrators, with the providers, that tells us how much we're going to pay. And the other concern that we've heard uh, previously is that, well, then the state will be taking all the risks. Here again, when you have, it's the law of large numbers. We have a very good uh, historical record of what our employee health care costs are. We know what those are, and we think that that risk is extremely, extremely low. Even if you are concerned about that risk, what we've put in front of the legislature is you can get a stop-loss policy that, further insures against catastrophic loss, and we would still save tens of millions of dollars. So every concern that we heard along the way has been addressed with these contracts. The group insurance board voted overwhelmingly to go to self-insurance. The governor's commission on reform, efficiency, and performance also looked at this and voted overwhelmingly that the state should go to to self-insurance for health care.
0: I guess part of the, and some of the comments I, I've seen coming out of the legislature have, have tried to tie this into road funding, and I, I mean I understand there's this controversy between the governor, or at least some legislative leaders, about you know do we bond, do we increase taxes, all those type of things. But it, it's this seems to me to be apples and oranges because what you're talking about is literally a virtual certainty of of savings and from insurance, right? Correct. And what
2: the governor has said is as you discussed in your lead in, that we want to take those savings in this budget to fund public education. And the other point here is that these savings aren't one time. This would be ongoing into the future. We have a initial three year contract with three two year renewals.
0: Right. The I guess whenever People hear about this stuff there's always like this degree of skepticism and I know some of the the public employee groups who pretty much seem to be to me uh, opposed to any sort of change but but the concern is by doing something like this you're going to substantially limit the options that state employees are going to have or dramatically change their coverages and you're saying that's not the case no
2: the coverage remains absolutely the same Uh, as far as disruption there's, there'll be about three three and a half percent of our employees that experience some disruption in provider but most of that as we've signed these contracts would be in the ancillary services mm-hmm. uh, part of of their care not in their primary care and that number is pretty small there's already disruption even when you have a fully insured plan correct you have if if you like your doctor
0: you're going to keep it (laughs) that sort of thing right right
2: no we're not making that claim that (laughs) that didn't turn out so well but uh you know even in even in a fully insured world you have doctors that retire you have doctors that change clinics so it's you know to hold self-insurance to a zero disruption is is very disingenuous
0: well i mean the, the employer that that i have worked with over the years i mean um, health net healthcare networks come in and, and and go out depending on on the deal. I mean, I remember a, a couple years ago, a prominent healthcare network around here that I used suddenly became out of network. You know, when they renegotiated new deals, you know, now it's back in. But that that's the type of stuff that does happen all over as as, as again these healthcare plans get modified.
2: Correct. And and one of the other um, issues that has been raised is. Well is this the right time to go to self- insurance with uh, Obamacare being up in the air? For us for the Walker administration we have the ability to save sixty million dollars and and self- insurance would not preclude us from making any other plan changes down the road if we thought sure. those were necessary and actually probably will make us more nimble to react as an employer to whatever the marketplace is or turns out to be uh, post-Obamacare replace and repeal if that happens.
0: So, so Scott, is this, in fact, dead in the legislature in this budget session?
2: Well, I think it's got an uphill fight, uh, but we are certainly continuing to push. Uh, We think as more information comes out, as people who have had uh, issues with going to self-insurance see the actual evidence, we believe that at the end of the day, it should sell itself, uh, but we're we're making sure that people are aware of their facts. Because once again, every argument that has been put against this, we have a factual answer that says that is not a concern. Why wouldn't you take what might be the easiest tens of millions of dollars savings that we've had in quite some time?
0: Um, Scott Neitzel, Secretary of the Department Administration, thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks Appreciate for
2: having it. me. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. This whole story. I just I swear I haven't understood and and it's Robin Voss and it's a couple other members of the legislature who are looking at this skeptically and the, the more I analyze this and, and look self insurance doesn't make sense for for everyone it doesn't make sense for every employer but I think he explained it pretty well as to why you know the state has a large enough pool of people that what what they are essentially doing is paying tens of millions of dollars to insurance carriers to to do the payouts. And they can save tens of millions of dollars by essentially just taking on the risk themselves and they can offset that by some you know other types of insurance policies for catastrophic cases. I, I just it's sixty million dollars. It's low hanging fruit. It is 11.23, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, coming up in about 10 minutes. It's an initiative that the Walker administration is touting, and um, I, it's one that I have reservations about, and we will discuss that. So that's coming up in about 10 minutes or so. I was I was listening to Jane's news report at the top of the hour, and uh, Powers Booth, if you are a... A movie fan, or particularly a television fan, you, you you might not recognize the name, but I guarantee you would recognize the, the face. An incredible character actor. Um, did a lot of movies, but probably is most famous for his TV appearances. Um, he won an Emmy for playing James Jones the, in the Guyana tragedy back in 1980. More recently, he was one of the villains. He played uh, Cy Tolliver in the show Deadwood, which I, I understand kind of had a cult following. But I, I was part—I was part of that cult, and he was just this, this embodied, this slimy, sleazy. Brothel owner in you know in in Deadwood set in the late 1800s, or um, he, he passed away at the age of 68. But he, again, he's one of these he's one of these guys who you wouldn't necessarily know the name, but if you have an opportunity and you're you're looking at television or you're on the web or something and, and you see the picture and you go, oh, that's Powers Booth. He was an incredible an incredible actor, and as somebody who has been hoping for years that they finally get their act together and, and do this Deadwood reunion or or bring it back as a form. Of a movie or something, they've been talking about it. Uh, again, this is what happens as time kind of passes because you start to lose some of the uh, you lose some of the great actors that were there. But Powers Booth passing away at the age of sixty eight. If you're a fan of Deadwood, you know who I'm talking about. It's eleven twenty five. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. They've won seven of their last ten are and are within a game of first place St. Louis. I am talking about our very own Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, they are going to hope to keep it rolling tonight out on the West Coast as they begin a four-game series in San Diego. Our coverage of Brewers Padres begins at 835 tonight here on WTMJ, sponsored by your Milwaukee Honda dealers. All right. Hondo, not Honda. Hondo, Hondo, producing the show today and always. I, I did something. I, sh- I, I learned the hard way yesterday. That I should not do. I, I kind of gave up on on the Brewers. Okay, yesterday afternoon, I was driving out to the West Bend area, and I had the ball game on, and they were behind like seven to one, and I thought eh, the, the game. Hey, they, they won two out of three game is over so on, on, i found a jimmy buffett concert replay and i was listening to that and i got to where i was going and the game was on tv and it was like still seven to one and i wasn't paying any attention because i figured okay that it's great they've won two out of three still a successful thing so i, I just kind of ignored that then later on i was at duck pin bowling so i'm at duck pin bowling and i am watching these reports and it's it's like great brewers comeback. And it turns out, you know, that they came back from a seven-one deficit, ended up winning eleven to nine. You know, a great rally, and it just—I mean, I had written them off. So it was, as Hondo says, Mother's Day magic. I don't know about that. It was just—it was just—it was just an incredible game. I—I just—I had given up on them. So this is the lesson, you know. I mean, I—I—I I, I try to my. My advice to everyone when they say, okay, what's what's rule number one? What's the prime directive about life? It's never make the same mistake twice. So, I mean, I I made the mistake of thinking, hey, they're going to automatically lose, and they came back with this big win. I promise I will not do that again this season. It is an exciting team, a lot of fun, and you can hear the game tonight at 835. Coming up in just a couple minutes, it's something the Walker administration is pushing. I'm not sure it's the right way to go. We'll discuss <coughs> It's 1135 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's see. Uh, WTMJ's Classic Free Ride is officially out of the garage and making its first appearance of the year. Register to win this beautiful 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 convertible today from 3 until 6 at the Woodmans on Howell Avenue in Oak Creek. John McCure will be registering you and giving you a chance to win tickets to see Zach Brown's band, the Zach Brown Band, play at Summerfest. It's WTMJ's Classic Free Ride, sponsored by New Mail Medical in Tosa and, of course, our friends at Summerfest. This year, we're giving away the car on the final night of Summerfest. How cool is that? If you are a legal junkie, and I don't mean legal junkie in terms of you're legally shooting heroin. I mean, if when it comes to legal affairs, you, you are a junkie on that. Um, this is your moment. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, sitting in, in Seattle, just in the last couple minutes, uh, started uh, hearing arguments on the appeal of... Of the injunction that was placed on the Trump travel ba- travel ban, let's let's review the bidding. One of the first things, of course, that President Trump did upon taking office was um, issue a, a temporary travel ban on people coming from certain certain states, certain um, countries, um, with the idea that while the ban is in place, we are then going to work on kind of tightening up um, the abilities of us to figure out who it actually is coming in from those countries. The The ban initially, and I've argued this, while I think well-intended and certainly reasonable, was done in a heavy-handed fashion, and it was done... Without considerations of some due process issues, including, you know, how do you handle people who have green cards, who have a different due process rights than people who are just coming into the country, anyhow, got shot down in the courts. President Trump came out with another travel ban that was, I think, much more narrowly tailored in an effort to avoid some of these concerns you have a district judge in Hawaii and a district judge in Maryland who struck it down nonetheless, believing that this ban that um, applied to six majority Muslim countries was really um, illegal discrimination against people of a certain faith. And I just, I, I find myself rolling my eyes at that because there's all sorts of other majority Muslim countries that the ban didn't apply to. In any event, last week... The entire Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals they're on the East Coast heard an argument, heard the oral arguments about the ban the Maryland judge issued um, literally five minutes ago. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and this is only, it's just a three-judge panel, all of whom are appointed by Bill Clinton. They all began hearing arguments on the injunction that the Hawaii judge issued. Um, the Essentially, what the judges are, are grappling with is, when when Donald Trump was campaigning, he talked about you know he used some rhetoric about the need to, the problems we have with Muslims and things like that. So the argument is, all right, um, is this just really is the intent really to discriminate against Muslims? Again, even though like I say, there's all sorts of other majority Muslim countries that this does not apply to. I ultimately think that if and when this matter gets to the Supreme Court, this temporary travel ban will be upheld. But I, I wouldn't. I I certainly wouldn't predict that the Trump administration is going to win in front of the Ninth Circuit. Um, And I'm not going to predict that they're going to win in front of the Fourth Circuit either. But right now, that that argument just started. And I think they're probably televising it on places like C-SPAN and things like that. So if you're a legal junkie and you want to check that out, there it is. All right. One of the centerpieces of welfare reform. And I'm talking about this in, in broad terms with the Walker administration. And uh, one thing I, I give Scott Walker credit for is he's a big thinker. He, he is. He, he, he looks at systems and says, okay, what we're doing now isn't working. How can we make this better? And sometimes, again, when you challenge the orthodoxy, it, it, you, know, you get all sorts of people who just get up in arms about that. But you know, he, he wants welfare reform. And I, when i 'm talking about welfare i'm i 'm using it in the the broadest possible terms, everything from food stamps and unemployment insurance to other sorts of payments and participation in various you know government sponsored programs. He wants to make them more efficient there's no question in my mind and he also and the phrase, and I'm going to paraphrase it a lot, but but he wants these programs to be safety nets, not mattresses. In other words, something that you temporarily help people with, but the idea is they're going to get back out, they're going to get back on their feet. And that is something that I think everybody should uh, applaud. I mean, that's ultimately what the goal is. The idea of people um, being... On welfare, and I understand we don't have the traditional welfare that we did 10 or 15 years ago, but the idea of being on welfare for generations is just, it should be unacceptable to everybody, and I know it's unacceptable to, you know, Governor Walker. One of the things that he firmly believes and that I agree with is that if you are trying to get off that mattress, if you're trying to get somebody back on their feet, one of the biggest impediments, and there's a number of impediments, but one of the biggest impediments is whether that person, whether it's the person receiving food stamps or whatever form of government assistance, if they are a drug user, because the truth of the matter is, if, you are, if you're a drug user, you're, you're doing cocaine or you're doing heroin or whatever, your, your chances of becoming a productive citizen are not that great. And so what, what Walker firmly believes is that if we can identify the people who have substance abuse problems and we can you know, get them into some form of a program, force them essentially to, to get help that they're choosing not to get that we're it's going to be better because you're you're never you're never going to get off that cycle of dependency you know as long as you're continuing to use drugs i agree with him on that completely so one of the things the walker administration is talking about doing is they are talking about and they've already implemented in this some cases what they want to do is they want to drug test people as a condition of receiving benefits from the government Now, for some of these things, they need to have federal waivers for them because, like the food stamp program, that's even though it's administered by the states, it's run by the federal government. So, arguably, you need the federal government to sign off on it. But the idea is the Walker administration wants to drug test welfare recipients. And I'm using welfare in the broadest possible term. A lot of the usual suspects are out there saying, no, this is degrading to poor people, it's awful, you should not do this. All right, our numbers are 414, our number is 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my concern with this. I I have no problem with any of this in principle. I, I don't. But my biggest concern is I I always want to look at what I call a cost-benefit analysis. It costs money to do something. What is the benefit from that? And is the benefit going to be worth it? In states where they do aggressively drug test people for recipients of these benefits, what you find is that it costs a ton of money to do the drug tests, costs a ton of money to do the drug tests and the number of people that they catch is is almost non-existent um, of all the in the states the drug test for welfare quote-unquote all but one have a positive test rate of below 1% I mean below 1% and it's costing you know it costs millions of dollars to do it I agree with this in concept but if you're going to only catch, if you're going to spend a million dollars to catch a couple people, could you spend that million dollars in a better way? And this is not an endorsement in any way, shape or form of people, you know, who are, who are using drugs. Certainly it's not. And I get the whole concept. That's why I did the lead in. But I will tell you, I have legitimate concerns as to whether it makes economic sense to, to do this. Is it worth if the numbers come back and say, you know, it's going to cost you, you know, twenty five or fifty or a hundred thousand dollars in overall drug testing for every one person you catch. I mean red flags go up and I ask, does that make sense? Jeff in Milwaukee. Jeff you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Ah, uh, you kinda hit it on the head there, the price you value there, you know. Um, two things. One is, you have to have a reasonable price or, you know, to charge for that to make it, mm-hmm. get in your bank for the buck, so to say. The second thing is, is I believe crime would skyrocket. You're going to have to have a cop on every corner. Um, yeah. I, I just don't see, you know, them, what, once you take something away, how are they going to put food on their table?
0: Yeah, well, I you guess I, I mean the, the idea would be. Unfortunately, yeah, it is. I guess I mean thanks for calling. Your, I mean the idea would be that this is the way to to get people straight. If you if you just don't let them stay on the dole forever, and I understand it conceptually, I, I get it. But if you're if you've been listening to me for the last two decades, I'm, I'm a do the math guy, and I sit down and I, I just I look at costs. And I look at the benefits. And that's the – see, to me, that's the big question. If you can show me numbers saying, hey, we are going to, by throwing this wide net and by making everybody who's on whatever sort of public assistance program there is, you know, pee in a bottle, oh, okay, and, and you're, you're catching a bunch of people, yes. But if you're catching one person out of every 150 people, you know, my question is, is that worth the dough um, or – could we spend that money in other ways, either helping people or tightening up the system to, to catch other folks? That's, that is the issue that I have with this. Steve Greenfield. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Hey, morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think um, if they did a one-strike-and-you're-out approach where um, you, you do a random drug test to see uh, mm-hmm. what's going on, if somebody fails, I would offer them the the help that they need, um, and then if the second time comes around and they they can't get straight, right. then I would cut them off because I think, you know, like you said too, I think that would help as far as like the cost effectiveness. You're, right. you're not,
0: but right. or if there's reasonable suspicion, I mean, okay, if you've got somebody who's a. Who's a welfare recipient? However you want to define that, you know, who who gets arrested for selling drugs or something like that. I mean, okay, then you know, then maybe you've got a basis to do some sort of targeted stuff, as opposed to just this general. We're going to randomly test, or we're going to we're going to test everybody, if, if in fact. 99.5 Ninety nine point five times out of a hundred, you're not going to catch anybody. Thanks, so, and that, and I, I appreciate everything the governor is trying to do, and I I respect this effort. And believe me, I'm one that's all in favor of trying to get people, you know, off the dole. And I'm certainly death on on people who are, you know, who have have drug problems. You need to get them the help they're going to get because if you're doing heroin, you're doing cocaine, you're doing methamphetamine. You know, your chances of becoming a productive citizen are not great. So I have no trouble trying to identify people and get. Get him off this. I'm just saying I just have reservations as to whether this makes economic sense. It's 1147. <laughs> it's 1151. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, this is one of the strangest stories of, of the day. And and I admit if I hadn't seen this report on Channel 12, credit where credit is due, I wouldn't have known about it. I, I've been in... I'm in the process and it's going to be a long process. I'm in the process of going through my house and just, accumulating stuff and moving it out you know and I'm and typically I, I I make lots of trips over to, to Goodwill you know which there's a Goodwill store right down the street from us so I'll load up a bunch of things a bunch of clothing or whatever and I'll, I'll take it to Goodwill I'm there quite a bit and I, I just I, I'm glad to give it to charity and I'm glad I mean I know I give it to Goodwill and I think it's, it's going to a good location And there's all sorts of other great charities that are out there as well apparently and I guess For me, the giving, as long as it's going to a good place, convenience is important to me. I don't want to have to work too hard to, you know, give away the clothing or whatever. There's been a number of collection bins which have been popping up across the area for something called Operation Green. And these bins, they just appear overnight in parking lots and stuff. And, you know, they they solicit donations, clothes, shoes, things like that. All right. So, hey, it's great. Hey, there you get one of these bins. It's at the store right next to where you live. Great. You'll run by. You'll drop them off. Well, here's the deal. These bins, this Operation Green thing, it's not a charity. It's it's a private for profit operation. And so what happens is when you donate clothes, you donate shoes or whatever, it it doesn't go to charity. It doesn't go to poor. It just they they keep it. They take it. They sell it. (laughs) That's what they do and you know, a lot of the legitimate charities are saying well i mean obviously it, what what people choose to do with their extra items is up to them but you know we think that people don't realize that they're not when they drop it off at one of these operation green type of bins or something they're they're just giving it to someone else they're not giving it to to charity a number of communities like new berlin have have outlawed these bins but still, there's apparently a lot of these that are in New Berlin, for for example. Um, company Now, company doesn't claim to be a charity. They're not saying that we give this stuff to charity, but still, I think a lot of people, when you drop these things off at the collection binge, you think that it's going to a good cause. So maybe, maybe if you're doing it, you're just convenient. Hey, this is some place that's going to take my used clothing or shoes or whatever. Boom, here it is. I just want to get rid of it, and even if they sell it, I don't care. For those of us that do have all sorts of extra stuff that we're trying to get rid of, and you know, we, but we nonetheless want to see it go to a good cause, make sure you know who you're giving it to. Also, if you give the stuff to this Operation Green Place, you don't get a charitable donation for it to the extent that's what's motivating you. Just words to the wise.